Hi and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today and for tuning in. I hope that you are well. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway. In light of the unjust killing of George Floyd in America and the events that have unfolded over the last week, as pastors of Gateway, we felt it was right that we as a church spoke directly into the issue of racism and racial injustice. The issue of racism is too important to be silent about. As a church community, we have a powerful message of hope and justice to proclaim, to model, and to live out in our own lives, in the lives of our church, and in our communities. The killing of George Floyd has rightfully sparked outrage and anger right across the world. There was something about the nature of his death and how it happened that has deeply shocked and moved us all. And sadly, there are many more George Floyds, many more whose lives have been wrongfully taken purely because of the colour of their skin. Racism is not just an out there issue in America. It's systemic in our world. It's here in the UK. It's here in the town that we live. It pervades the world like a disease. Racism is also bigger than conscious hate. It's a political and societal system that promotes and serves white people at the expense of those from black, Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds. As I read earlier this week, hate is one aspect of racism. Access is another. Privilege is another. Ignorance is another. Apathy is another. I know there will be some of you who are listening today who have experienced racism in your lives. Whether that be direct hate, subtle comments, being overlooked purely because of the colour of your skin, being viewed with suspicion, or greater suspicion than others, or simply because the world that we live in is not a level playing field for people from BAME backgrounds. And I want to approach today from a position of humility and learning. As a white middle-class man who grew up in a small town in Cornwall where there was little, if any, cultural diversity, I know that I don't understand. I know that I live in a society of white privilege from which I directly benefit. My lived reality and experience is not one of racism. I know for some of you watching, it is sadly your lived reality and your experience. And that right now you are confused sad, angry, and feel a sense of despair. I desire to learn and to grow in my understanding of racism and racial injustice. But over the course of this week, I felt a deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I know that the Bible gives us a message of hope 
into the subject of racism and racial injustice. I know that in 20 minutes or so, we cannot cover everything about racism, but what we can do is open up a conversation. We can acknowledge and respond to the issues of racism that so pervade our society. We can set a platform for something that will propel us forward, both in our individual lives and in us as a church community. And I just want to do this very simply by unpacking four ways that we can each respond individually and we can respond as a church family through weeping, justice, prayer, and hope. And at the end of each one of these four, I want to give some very simple examples of what we can do as individuals to take ground in the area of racism and racial injustice. If you're watching this and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we are so glad that you are here today. And my prayer is that through watching this, you will see that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, that the Bible presents a glorious vision of racial reconciliation, and that the God I serve and worship cares deeply about injustice. Let's open the Bible together. We're going to turn first to Romans chapter 12, verse 15, to look at this first thing about weeping. Romans 12, 15 tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. When we see blatant injustice, suffering and racism, such as was the death with George Floyd, our first response is to be one of weeping, lament, grief and sorrow. Injustice and suffering cannot be met with a dispassionate response. It cannot be met with an attitude of this is someone else's problem. It cannot be met with thoughts of, well, somebody else has to deal with this, or this is something that's far away from our own lives. We are called, according to the Bible, to embrace weeping and suffering and to lament over injustice. And we're to lament over racism that pervades our society. And the call of the Bible in lamenting and, and sorrow isn't just to feel sorry for somebody or to feel bad about a situation or even to have pity on something or someone. The call of the Bible is much deeper than that. You see, in the Bible, when it talks about sorrow and lamenting and suffering alongside others, it's actually to accompany somebody in their suffering. We choose with our hearts to enter into the suffering that others are experiencing and to walk alongside that person. We say, hey, I am here with you. I am suffering alongside you. I give my heart to you in your suffering as well. We weep with the family of George Floyd and many other victims' families whose lives have been needlessly and wrongfully taken due to racism and racial injustice. I've seen so many from black, Asian, minority, ethnic backgrounds this week on social media and other things full of sorrow and sadness. I've seen the same among our young people in Gateway who are angry and grieving and so long to see change 
in our world, friends, we lament together in this situation. We weep for the children and young people in our town and in our nation who are subject to racism. We weep for parents who are fearful for your children's future purely because of the colour of their skin. Racism in all its forms is causing suffering to many in our church family. And the Bible says, where one suffers, all suffer. Racism is causing suffering to men and women who are made in the image of God and who are worthy of honour and dignity. And that moves the heart of God and that should move us too. And so we stand together and we say we lament and we grieve and we weep together in this moment and the moment of many others like this. Practically, I want to encourage each one of us as individuals to take some time in the next few days to sit, to pause, and to just consider racism and racial injustice in our society, in our town, in our nation, and to ask God to move your heart with lament and sorrow about injustice. Take some time, be before God, Say, God, would you move my heart? Would you cause me to weep alongside those who are weeping? Would you help me to enter into the suffering of many who are experiencing that right now? So the first thing is we're called to weep. Secondly, we're called to speak up against injustice. Our compassion and sorrow should result in action. You see, one of the hallmarks of the people of God is that we're called to stand up for justice for the oppressed because it reflects the character and the heart of God. God is a just God who cares deeply about injustice. In so many of the prophetic books in the Old Testament, God's anger and frustration at his own people was, yes, partly because they had worshipped false gods, but equally because they'd forgotten to pursue justice and mercy for the oppressed, for the foreigner, for the poor, which is exactly the heart of God. Listen to the call of Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do good. He's speaking to God's people. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. In fact, if you read the first few chapters of the book of Isaiah or you scan any of the Old Testament prophetic literature, it is littered with references about God's people forgetting justice and mercy because it is so deeply ingrained in the heart of God and his call to his representatives on earth, then the nation of Israel, and now the church to reflect his character to the world around us. That justice and mercy would flow like a mighty river into every sphere and sector of society. That justice and mercy would flow and bring justice in this whole area of racism. And when Jesus came, his whole manifesto was built around proclaiming good news to the poor, about bringing liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. And his ministry on the earth 
reflected this. His heart and his time was spent with those who were vulnerable, the foreigner, the oppressed, bringing the gospel, bringing justice, bringing liberty and freedom to those people out of their circumstances. Justice is at the heart of the gospel. The gospel compels us to speak against injustices in our society, and that includes racism. Racism is an injustice. It's a gospel issue and one that we're called to speak up and speak out against. As a follower of Jesus, I'm called to live how he lived, to act how he acted, and to seek liberty for the oppressed, just like he did when he walked the earth. And you know what? It can feel overwhelming. Where on earth do I begin to speak up? How do I do it? How do I make a difference against systemic racism in the world? What on earth can I do to make a difference? Here's some very practical suggestions I want to suggest for us in how we can speak up and speak out. First, can I encourage us to reach out and listen across racial divides? Particularly if you are listening to this and you are white British, can I encourage you and and call you to reach out to somebody from the BAME community that you know, or another nation about their lived reality and their experience of racism. Ask, listen, and learn. Let's be those who educate ourselves with great resources, and I cannot recommend a book more highly than this one here. We Need to Talk About Race by Ben Lindsay. If you've not read this, it is superb and challenging and thought-provoking. Get hold of it and read it uh, with yourself or with others. Let's be those who are quick to confess and repent of any wrong attitudes in our own lives as well. Let's not just think racism is out there. Let's examine ourselves and say, is there any wrong in me? Is there any way that I've contributed to the problem in our society? And finally, let's be those who boldly confront obvious or subtle racism in our own families, in our church, in our workplaces, and in our communities. Do you know if we hear people speaking in a racist way, it's good and proper that we should say, that is racist, that is wrong, that is not what we believe, that is not how we want to live in our society. We're called to weep, we're called to speak against injustice, and thirdly, we're called to pray. As a follower of Jesus, prayer is the most powerful weapon that I have. As a church community, prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. Romans 12 calls us to be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 says we're to pray without ceasing. We pray because that is what the Bible calls us to do in our desperation for change and justice should lead us to cry out to God and say, God, let your kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace and mercy be present here on earth as it is in heaven. And prayer, whether publicly as the gathered people of God, even in this online world, or individually in our house groups, or individually in our own household, changes situations. Prayer changes our hearts and prayer causes justice and mercy to flow through our land. As I was preparing 
for this message, I came across a post by Andrew Wilson, um, who some of you will know, and he writes this about what it means to pray in these moments, and I, I couldn't put it any better. He says, we need to pray publicly and privately that God would find a way of bringing comfort to the victims' families, righteousness into the public square, wisdom to those with civic responsibilities, peace to the cities that are threatened, and justice at both an individual and structural level. Try to articulate what you would pray if this had happened within your own family. And then remember that in a very powerful sense, it actually has. Personally, I have found the words of the prophet Amos so helpful this week as I have prayed into the George Floyd killing and so many others like it. Amos writes this, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let me just repeat that. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Can I encourage each one of us to make room in our personal prayer lives or in the lives of those that we're gathering with virtually at this time to pray at this moment against racism and racial injustice in our world? Can I call us to be a community who prays on our own, in our households, in our groups, and corporately as we gather to pray? And finally, and most importantly, I want to call us to the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, the Bible paints a glorious picture of racial reconciliation, which Jesus won at the cross, has established through the church, and will bring to completion in the new heavens and the new earth when we see this, these words from Revelation chapter 7. And I saw a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. On the cross, Jesus created a new community, the church, which is called to witness who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. This new community is marked out by unity in diversity, by unity across racial divides across social divides. Jesus has created one new man in Christ. The church is the demonstration of this one new man 
in Christ. So as we join together, as many cultures and many nations and many ethnicities, it displays to the world the uniting power of the gospel to break down racial barriers. But our hope and our dream is not just to gather people from many nations. It's to be a radically inclusive family. Brothers and sisters united through Christ, knowing that the the ground is level at the foot of the cross. As followers of Jesus, let's be those who boldly proclaim the hope of the gospel, not only in ending racism and racial injustice, but in creating a new kingdom community of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation united in the person of Jesus Christ. Our society longs for unity and inclusion, but lacks the power to achieve it. What society is unable to do God is able to do through the power of his spirit and the power of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. As well as proclaiming the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to call us to model the good news personally in our lives. We are called to have lives that are marked by diversity and that stretch across racial divides. What's one way we can do this? Let's be intentional at cultivating and developing friendships across cultural and racial divides. As we learn to walk with others from completely different backgrounds and life experiences and cultures, we will grow in compassion and understanding. We will live out gospel-centered community that breaks down barriers and model to a world that is broken and confused and hurting the hope of the gospel that we have in Jesus Christ. As I said at the beginning, we can only cover so much ground in 20 minutes or so. My prayer is that through this message, something would shift in us individually, something would shift in us as a church community that we would learn to weep with those who weep. We would be those who are passionate about seeking justice and an end to racism and racial injustice. We would pray deeply, both individually and collectively as a church. And finally, that we would proclaim and model the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just take a few moments to close in prayer. Jesus, we come before you this morning and we declare that our hope is in you alone. That our hope for racial reconciliation, that our hope for a new kingdom community of men and women from every tribe, tongue and nation is founded in you and in your work at the cross. And I wanna pray firstly for every individual 
that is listening to this that is hurting, that is angry, that is confused, I pray for your peace and your comfort to come and flood over them. Jesus, we pray for the family of George Floyd and so many others like him that in the midst of this tragedy, you would somehow bring peace and comfort into their hearts. Lord, we, we want to pray that you would come and move among them, that you, would, that you would give them your spirit in these days, that they would know heavenly peace. Jesus, we want to pray that this moment in our culture, something would shift and that the, the good news of Jesus would, would, would be proclaimed to many. We want to pray, Jesus, that there would be a justice that is done. Lord, we want to be those who speak up and correct oppression. We want to be those who weep with those who weep. And God, we come to you as the one who cares so deeply about injustice, the one who, who calls us to be your representatives. And we say for each one of us listening to this this morning, may we go and be messengers of the good news of Jesus. May you fill us with your spirit. Lord, may we go in peace. And Lord, may you commission us to be those who seek a new kind of community that models to the world the power and the wonder and the hope of the gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.